Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We have got a lot to talk about this week, a lot of football stuff. I'm recording this early Sunday morning, so we've got the Super Bowl coming up later today. We got a chance to catch up with James Franklin, new wide receivers coach Marcus Hagans, and a whole bunch of freshman players, uh, football players last week. I'll have a bunch of stories on that here over the next week or two on the site. I want to start today really just shaking my head at the terrible disappointment that this Penn State basketball team has been of late. Now listen, if you're tuning into this and you love Penn State football discussion, you don't care about Penn State basketball, fine. Knock yourself out. You want to fast forward? Go right ahead. I'll get to a lot of football stuff coming up in the second segment. I want to talk about the extreme disappointment of this basketball team for the first segment. And before I get into my thoughts about what has gone wrong and why it's so frustrating, let me, let me say this first. I don't want to hear any damn excuses. I don't want to hear any excuses from anybody. Penn State spent the better part of two months right on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. First team out, last team in, 67th. First team out, last team in. It was basically, they they moved between like three spots for almost a month and a half or so. They'd lose a Big Ten game, fall out, be number 69, win a Big Ten game, get back to 500, get back in, be on the bubble. For a month and a half, this was a pen, this was considered right there an NCAA tournament team. And we've talked since, no, really since November. If they make shots, they can beat anybody. If they don't make shots, they're really not going to beat many people. Here's what kind of ticks me off though. What's happened from some of the Penn State apologists? And I'm talking about some people in the media here as well. What's happened from some Penn State apologists here over the last Couple weeks, Penn State's lost four in a row, five out of six. Is this apology for Micah Shrewsbury, an apology for the roster? It's like this shift in dynamic 
of how we're supposed to view a, a basketball team that we thought was a tournament team for a month and a half. And now that they're crapping the bed, we got all these apologists coming out. Hey, Micah Shrewsbury is a good coach. Really good coach. He's doing all he can with this team. The roster's just not good enough. The roster is just, you know, they got all these issues, and Micah's doing a great job. P future of Penn State's bright. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I think Micah Shrewsbury has failed this season. I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear that they don't have a big man and that if they don't make jump shots, they're going to lose. Who put the roster together? Who put the roster together? Micah Shrewsbury picked these guys out of the portal. He put this roster together. He did not get a quality big man. Is Penn State ever going to get a quality big man? I don't really think so. Is that Micah Shrewsbury's fault? No. I'm not placing the blame of the world on Micah Shrewsbury. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to be realistic and place blame where blame falls. Because this was an NCAA tournament caliber team for a month and a half. Now they're five and nine in the league and collapsing in a hurry. Lose at Nebraska, lose at home to a mediocre Wisconsin team. Go on the road, lose to Maryland. That's that Maryland's a good team. You know, there's no shame in that, really. But this is five and nine. And the same people, and again, I'm I'm gonna call some of my media brethren here, these these Penn State basketball apologists, because Micah's a great guy and he was a good hire. We gotta give him time. Fine. Give him time. Maybe he gets the job done in a year or two or three or four. And let's praise him then. A lot of the people that will be ultra critical of Penn State football, if anything goes wrong, hell, they can win a game, but if they struggle sometimes, a lot of media folks will blast them. Are afraid to do that with Penn State basketball. I have worn it as a badge of honor really my whole life. And if this sounds like I'm bragging, I am. I know more about college basketball than most people. I watch, I've generally watched for the last 40 years, eh, 30 years, 10, 15, 20 college basketball games a week all around the country. I don't just watch Penn State. I'm a Syracuse fan. When I worked late at night at the Altoona Mirror till one o'clock in the morning, I'd watch five games a night. You watch whatever games are on at 7, then you watch the Big 12 at 9, then you watch St. Mary's and Gonzaga at 11. You finish out with the Pac-12 with Bill Walton saying crazy stuff between UCLA and Arizona. You got four or five basketball games you're watching over the course of a night. I love college basketball as much or more than any of you, and I have followed it unbelievably closely my entire life. I'm not pigeonholed into just looking at Penn State and what Penn State does and what these players do and what this coach does. I try to bring a national perspective to my view of, of, of college basketball. And because of that, I look at Micah Shrewsbury and say that he has failed. Oh, but Penn State's a really tough job. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Oh, but he walked into a very difficult situation. Yes, he did. Absolutely. 
Four weeks ago, they were in the tournament. Four weeks ago, they were in the tournament. If you're going to praise a guy for putting a roster together and them playing well and winning some good games, then you have to, when things go sour, you can't just flip a switch and not be critical of the guy. My biggest beef with Micah Shrewsbury is he doesn't have a plan B. And, and, and again, I, I get the fact that Penn State does not have a big man inside, and it's difficult to challenge in the Big Ten when you don't. That's the history of Penn State basketball. That's the history of Penn State basketball. If you're going to bring in all these people from the transfer portal, you've got to land somebody. You've got to make sure you get somebody. But the plan was working for the first couple of months of the season. Then all of a sudden they fall apart. And Micah wants to complain after basically every single game that they don't shoot enough free throws or they're not getting enough fouls called. Whose fault is that? To me, it's his. It's his system. Saturday at Maryland, 74-68. Penn State shot four free throws. Maryland shot 23. Penn State took 26 three-pointers. If you are going to take 26 three-pointers, they made 12. That's a good number. It's a good day from three, 12, 26, 46%. You're going to shoot that amount of three-pointers. You don't have guys that slash and attack the rim. You've got Jalen Pickett, who likes to kind of post up and back his way in. And Micah talked how Jalen should get more free throws. And he should. That's, that's fair. He should get more free throws. But to complain about it all the time is just such an awful look. They don't have the kind of offensive system in place to draw a bunch of fouls. This is common sense. Watch the games. They just jack it up from the perimeter all the time. If you want to get to the free throw line, attack, 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 attack. That's not what Penn State does. And when they're making shots, they can beat anybody. I'm the dummy that picked them to go to the Sweet 16. I'm the dummy that said if they get in, they could win a couple games, go to the Sweet 16. Now, they're not on the bubble. They're nowhere near the bubble. They're 40, 50 spots removed from the bubble at 5-9 and nine in the Big Ten. Could they pull off a miracle here? It's certainly still possible, I guess. But it's not in any way likely. I just wrote about this a couple of days ago. Micah Shrewsbury did not know how difficult the job that he was walking into would be. And I don't think anybody could. You can be a really good coach, a really smart guy, and Micah's a really smart guy, and maybe he'll figure this out and he'll get it turned around and he'll make Penn State a quality program. But I think it's more likely he's going to get tired of beating his head up against the wall at Penn State and realize that this is this is the kind of place where you're not going to get a lot of respect. Maybe you're not going to get foul calls, even if you think you should. You're not going to get the kind of recruits. I give Mike all the credit in the world. He recruited hard the Derek Lively kid, the seven-footer from Belfont, son of a Penn State product, 
He's down at Duke. He's struggling this year. He's only averaged like three points a game. Really struggling, but he was a great recruit. Micah went hard after him. Didn't get him. Micah went hard after Otega Owe. Odafe Owe's brother. Didn't get him. He's struggling as a freshman at Oklahoma, averaging two or three points a game. Micah, he's shooting for the stars. He's doing the best he can to try to get these guys. And, but, but maybe you got to be a little bit more realistic. Maybe you don't go for the top guy. You get a, you get, find, go find some John Harris of the world, whoever they might be. The Penn State basketball job is incredibly difficult. Micah was at Purdue. He always had a big man. He could, he could navigate an offensive system where he had a big man to work the ball through and you could utilize that within your set. He doesn't have that at Penn State. I'm not sure he's ever going to have that at Penn State. Calvin Booth is the last really kind of really good big man that could do that. Maybe Jamel Cornley, but the point is Penn State doesn't have a tradition of that. So Michael walks into this job. He sees Penn State from the Purdue perspective, and he thinks, okay, well, Penn State's got some issues. I could go in there. I can handle them. I don't think that any coach can walk into Penn State and understand what they're getting into until you're actually there. And then you actually get there, and you're like, oh, shit. This is hard. This is harder than I thought. And so what we're seeing here with these, now I wouldn't say necessarily meltdowns because he's not going on tirades or anything, but constantly complaining about the officials, questioning his players' toughness and their manhood, which I didn't like. I don't think you'd do that with 18 to 19-year-old kids, and they've won, what, one game since then. I don't think you'd go about it that way. This job is harder than he thought. There's no way he could have imagined all of the challenges, including being terrible with NIL money. People who know more about this than me are saying that Penn State has the least amount of NIL money for basketball in the Big Ten. Hey, that's shocking, says no one. Penn State doesn't have money for basketball? Unbelievable, says no one. It's been that way forever. Until you're there, until you know, until you see it, you don't fully realize it. So I'm not placing all this blame on Micah. I'm not placing all the blame on Penn State's lack of tradition. I'm sitting here telling you that for a month and a half, Penn State was in the tournament. Now they can't see the tournament with a telescope. They can't see the bubble. This is poor coaching. I think this is a poor job of coaching. He had the he had a roster that we all thought was good enough, and then they've fallen apart, and he hasn't been able to fix it. If this were any other coach other than a Penn State basketball coach who gets this benefit of the doubt and because he's a good guy and he's a nice guy to work with and everybody knows the challenges of Penn State, let's take, let's take the kid gloves off and say, hey, what have you done for these last couple weeks in these close games, in-game situations, and you end up losing these games? I'm not saying Michael Shrewsbury will not ever be successful at Penn State. I'm saying that any coach ever that Penn State has will face extreme challenges, challenges that they were not even remotely uh, expecting when they signed on for the job. Is Michael Shrewsbury a good coach? We think so. Might he go somewhere else and do great things if they've got more of the pieces of the puzzle in place? Sure. But I'm telling you, During this losing streak, with Penn State struggling, he has had no answers. He has had no answers. Other than to complain about foul calling, which, quite frankly, 
just tired of that excuse. All right, we'll talk some football in segment two. Welcome back. Something really cool happened from a media perspective uh, this past week with regards to Penn State football. So we have a press conference with James Franklin on Tuesday to kind of wrap up recruiting. And he talks about Marcus Hagens, the new wide receivers coach. Then we got to spend some time uh, chatting with Marcus Hagens, interviewing him, picking his brain. Seems like a really good fella, good stories. Uh, close with Allen Iverson. That's pretty cool. Told the uh, really uh, heartwarming story about how his wife has overcome breast cancer and how he needed to stay in Virginia at Charlottesville, maybe for extra time, you know, longer so that she could get the medical care she needed there. That's, that, that's a, a very touching story. He comes across, he said the word vulnerable. He, he tries to be vulnerable in creating relationships with uh, his players. And, and I, I thought that was, I thought he did a really good job and made a very good first impression. But then after that, this is what was cool. They rolled out, you know, more than two dozen freshman football players from the class of, uh, the, from, from the 2022 freshmen. That was cool. We've not really seen anything like that with regards to Penn State football ever. I mean, we had COVID 2020 and we were doing Zoom calls for a long time and we've just hardly ever gotten to talk with freshmen. You know, really throughout the history of Penn State football, Joe never allowed that. So at the Rose Bowl, one thing cool about making a New Year's Six game is it's mandatory. The, the bowls mandate it that teams have an open media session where every single player on the roster is available. So when we were out in L.A., we got to talk with Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter, some other freshmen for the first time. And a lot of people wrote stories about that. So then last week, they roll out all those guys, 20, you know, more than a couple dozen freshmen. And you could, we had 30 minutes with one group, 30 minutes with another group. You could go pick the brain of anybody that you wanted to talk to. And, uh, just really neat from a media perspective. And we all try in the media to, to relay these stories to you guys because we know you want to read and hear about these young players that we have not gotten to speak to, you know, during their freshman season. So. You've probably already read stories, you know, all over the web over the last few, few days. There will be a lot more. I'll have a lot more. I caught up with, uh, what, Bo Prabula, Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter, Drew Shelton, uh, some others. And I'll, I'll have a bunch of stories here coming up at DK Pittsburgh Sports. But it was just a neat experience just simply to, to pick these guys' brains after their first year in the program and having to acclimate to college, understand what playing for a major division one program is all about, what they've got to do to get themselves ready to compete at that level. I spent a lot of time with Drew Aller. Um, he is the present and future of the Penn State football program. And so one thing about me in, in, in settings like this, you know, a lot of reporters want to go talk to 20, 20 other freshmen. Well, look, I, I'll, I, I don't want to lose the forest for the trees. Drew Aller's the story. 
Drew Aller is the biggest story now. He's going to be the biggest story in April for the blue white game. He's going to be the biggest story for the summer. He's going to be the biggest story for the, for the season when we see how he develops on the field. So I, I am trying to absorb as much as I can listen to him, talk to him, ask him questions, hear other people ask him questions about uh, his experience so far. And I will tell you, I, I spent 10 minutes with him at the Rose Bowl, spent 10 minutes with him last week uh, uh, during the media availability. Very polished young man, uh, m- very mature, um, says the right things, listens, understands what you're saying, understands how to how to try to navigate what it is that he has experienced already versus the question marks that, that he's going to have to deal with and overcome here uh, in, in the future as well. He's not a cocky young man by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's very poised and mature. He He's clearly very confident. There's no question. But just to hear him, the way he handles himself, he, he just... He has the whole quarterback thing, the whole quarterback persona down. For a freshman in college, he, he has that quarterback persona, uh, nailed down. And, you know, he, he checks off all the boxes that you would hope a young man would check off off the field. Now again, how's he going to read defenses pre-snap once, once he gets into tough games against good opponents? I don't know. I have no idea. No clue. We think he'll be good, but there's a chance he won't be. How's he going to read defenses, def- def- defensive coverages when, you know, D-backs are trying to disguise what they're doing? I have no idea. No clue how that's going to go. He's very talented, but he's never done that before at this level against quality defenses in a meaningful situation. Can he do it? Sure. Is, he, is it a guarantee to happen? No, absolutely not. He has the skills. He's got the skill set. He's got the great arm. He's got the maturity and everything you need off the field. So I guess as we sit here in mid-February, the best thing I can tell you is everything that Penn State fans had hoped Drew Aller would be so far, he has surpassed expectations. He's more polished, more mature, speaking to him than typically you would get for a young person this age. He obviously played a lot, got a lot of experience. Again, in mop-up duty uh, as a freshman, we got to see him a lot more than most freshmen we've ever seen in Penn State football history. So he's ahead of the curve in that regard. Do I still wish that James Franklin would have played Drew Aller more in meaningful situations down the stretch? Absolutely. I absolutely, and, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to change my opinion on this. And I think James Franklin failed to a degree to get Drew more experience. Yes, Penn State kept winning the games. Yes, they won the Rose Bowl, but yes, Drew could have still played a series or two here or there and they still would have won. And there wouldn't have been any. They're up huge on Maryland. Get him in early in the game, earlier in the game. You get up on Michigan State home finale. Why not get him a series or two? So, how that impacts Drew Aller's future, we'll wait to see. We'll we'll, we'll know, you know, next year. But regardless, even if he comes out next year and plays very, very well, I'll still look back and say, maybe he'd have played even better if he had been more experienced. But it was really cool to uh, get to 
uh, pick his brain, sat down with uh, um, Nick Singleton some. Drew, Drew Shelton was a very impressive uh, young man. I'll have a story on him here in the next week or so. Very mature. He was forced into action on the offensive line as a freshman uh, after injuries. So uh, I, I, we've heard James say all these underclass, all these young players that came in more ready to play than we've seen a lot from Penn State football over time. And when we finally have gotten a chance to talk to them, we can see why. Clearly, their physical skills are good enough and they've been able to develop themselves. But these are very mature, very um, uh, very understanding young men about what their situation is, confident that they could come in and perform and compete right away. And to be able to have that level of confidence mentally and then back it up physically, you know, it's a, it's a tough combination. But a lot of these guys on this team were able to do that. So it was a cool experience. Keep, uh, keep up. We'll have a whole bunch more stories here in, in the coming weeks, uh, with interviews that I saved up from all the, from a lot of these guys. Some really good stuff. I, I, I'm thinking probably Sunday or Monday, probably Monday, I'll have a, a, a nice big piece on uh, Drew Aller as he enters year two. Welcome to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast. Talking a little Super Bowl here. Kind of have some fun taking a look ahead of the Eagles versus the Chiefs. My pick for the game is Chiefs 26-23. I just cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes. uh, Just an unbelievable talent. And I talked about this a good bit on my radio show in Altoona throughout the week. Philly's the better team. I don't think there's any question, really. Eagles have the better roster. They have better units than the Chiefs do. Uh, I, I'd take Philly's offensive line. I'd take their defense, absolutely, over Kansas City. Uh, but I would not take Jalen Hurts over Patrick Mahomes, ever. No, I mean, not ever. Patrick Mahomes is an all-universe talent and one of the handful of greatest quarterbacks uh, skilled quarterbacks who, who's ever played, which brings us to Jalen Hurts. Now, I have a story up on the website with Robbie Gold. <laughs> kickers, kickers attacking quarterbacks. Ain't that the craziest damn thing? Robbie Gold says, if you make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, you're going to have probably a pretty solid day on defense. Man, that's. That's some interesting shade that a kicker is throwing at a quarterback after that quarterback's team just beat his team 31 to 7 in the NFC Championship game. Now, Robbie Gold has been getting blasted for those comments. Uh, you just generally don't hear kickers come out and say anything controversial. Is it his right as a football player? Sure. Is he a pretty smart guy? Sure. If you listen to what Robbie Gold said, and I've got the video on, on the site, you can see it. It's, it's, there's some good stuff in there. He's, got some nice analysis but then he got cocky at the end because there have been a lot of 49ers complaining about the Eagles 49ers lost their quarterback Purdy 49ers still think they're a better team than the Eagles 
So they've been griping and crying a lot for the last week and a half. And I think Robbie Gold got a little cocky and, and tossed some shade out at Jalen Hurts. If you make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, you're going to have probably a pretty solid day on defense. What he's talking about, I think, is you, you keep him in the pocket, you keep him from being a runner, force him to beat you with his arm, and, hey, is Philly's offense going to be as good that way? That is that is common sense. That We talk about that in football all the time. You shut down a running game, you, you force a dual-threat quarterback to just stay in the pocket, yeah, you're going to change you're going to change uh, the dynamic of the game. So Robbie Gold's not really wrong necessarily in in trying to say that, if indeed that's what he meant. Um, but you're a kicker, first and foremost. You know, does anybody care what kickers think? Okay, well he is in the NFL, but you just lost to the. It's just it's just such a sore loser comment, really. Uh, it's a sore loser comment after they just destroyed you 31 to 7. So Robbie Gold took his heat. I do still think Jalen Hurts uh, is a very dangerous quarterback. I would agree with the sentiment that you want to take count, take the run away from him. If they can, one, get ahead in the game, if the Chiefs can get ahead in the game and force Jalen Hurts to have to try to come back. And then two, force him to have to try to come back and play uh, primarily from the pocket and not let him run for 75, 80 yards or more. Well, clearly that would be the game plan. Can can Jalen Hurts beat the Chiefs if he has to throw the ball a ton? Well, yeah, he could. Uh, if it's if that happens, is he going to outduel Patrick Mahomes? No, I don't think so. I, so I, I, I think the Eagles are the better team. I would take more of the Eagles units over the Chiefs, but I, I just can't pick against Patrick Mahomes, who I think is going to have a really good day. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how Miles Sanders does in the Super Bowl. I've taught, I've written about this uh, several times here in the last few weeks about Miles living in Saquon Barkley's shadow. He did at Penn State. He still does in the NFL. Miles finished fifth in the NFL rushing this year. Fifth. You know who was fourth? <laughs> Saquon. But Here's this is fascinating to me. I just I wrote this. Miles Sanders is going to become just the third Penn State ball carrier, running back, running back, fullback, whatever, not quarterback, because Kerry Collins did, but just the third running back from Penn State ever to carry a ball in the Super Bowl. That's incredible. Franco Harris did it, obviously, for the Steelers. Matt Suey was a fullback for the Bears on their 85 team. So he carried, I think, what, 11 times in the 86 Super Bowl win over the Patriots. But in terms of being a tailback, a primary, primary runner, Miles Sanders is only the second Penn State guy ever behind Franco uh, to be that guy. And again, you know, Matt Suey was a fullback. So looking forward to seeing how Miles does. If he by some chance goes off for 110, 115 yards, scores once or twice, he could end up being Super Bowl MVP, depending how things play out. But I do expect Philly's defense to play well. I expect them to give Patrick Mahomes a lot of trouble, but Mahomes is so good that even if he throws a couple interceptions, he's still going to find a way to move the ball up and down the field because that Chiefs offense is sophisticated. I just hope we get to see a good game, one that uh, comes down to the wire and is and is uh, entertaining late. Uh, Penn State has, an, again, another player in the Super Bowl with uh, Miles Sanders. So every Super Bowl 
except for five. Penn State has had a player in. I've got a story on that listing all of the guys. And this was cool. I will, I will give you uh, the note here. Uh, Penn State is fourth in all of college football in terms of the number of Super Bowl appearances by alums. You got Miami is one, USC is two, Michigan is three, Penn State is four. So that's, uh, uh, I know we joke about the every Super Bowl but five graphic, but there is a lot to be proud of for Penn State in the Super Bowl. And again, I, I really do hope Miles Sanders plays well. I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Miles because he has been in Saquon's shadow for so long, but Miles Sanders, certainly a tremendous running back in his own right. So hopefully we see a good game and uh, I'll be pulling for Miles Sanders. But again, my my pick is Chiefs 26 to 23. A lot of Penn State football coverage coming up here this week as I uh, wrap up some stories from some of the freshmen that uh, I talked to last week and uh, we'll continue to have the news of the day uh, as well. So yeah, we're getting into February, but football, you know, football coverage is never going to end here for us, uh, for Penn State at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch up with you next week. <laughs>